Hello, you're listening to Travel Bubble with me, Matty Dias. The world's locked down and travelling isn't really an option. So I thought, why not do the next best thing and talk about it? From living all over the world to working as a tour guide, I've seen some amazing places and met some great people. Each week, I'll speak to globetrotters and industry professionals about their travel bubble choices to provide you with post-lockdown inspiration and top travel tips. Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Travel Bubble. It's going very quickly, isn't it? Um, Thank you for tuning back in. Um, Wherever you are in the world, the percentage of UK listeners is actually decreasing. The numbers are increasing, but the percentage of UK listeners is actually decreasing. So we're getting more and more global listeners, which is really great to hear. I had some lovely feedback about Robbie. General consensus is that he's a very funny man and they could listen to him for hours but i knew that that's why i wanted to get him on the podcast and share some of his stories with you so um thanks robbie for coming on and thanks everyone for listening and like uh, getting in touch in regards to that episode duck skin on a pancake i've got another treat in store for you this week with my guest henrik Tajik. he's a friend of mine been in the travel industry for many years he's from poland moved to england when he was like five years old He's lived in the USA, lived in Jordan for a while. He's currently in Bangkok. I met him when he was uh, tall leading around Europe. He's definitely well placed to talk about travel. He's even started his own um, YouTube channel called Edge of the Map, where he's posting a lot of videos in and around Bangkok and Thailand. So I'm pretty pretty jealous of that at the minute. Another really great episode that I've enjoyed recording. He's got some great stories, Henrik from what happens if you accept beers off strangers on a train to where to keep your belongings when you're wild camping on a beach or maybe a little story about abandoning your friend in the outback all covered in this episode. So thanks Henry for coming on. Stay tuned till the end to hear the other travel bubble news, the film recommendations and just general chit chat about, about the episode. As usual, don't forget to like, comment, rate, subscribe, it all helps. I had um, a review on Apple this week, a four-star review, which is weird. I'm not bitter, but someone's gone on there and give me a four-star review. If you're going to take the time to go on to Apple, at least give me a five-star review, come on, weirdo. Uh, but anyway, uh, without further ado, is episode number five with Henrik Sajik. So, Henrik, um, welcome to Travel Bubble. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. So where are you now? You're, you're in Bangkok, aren't you? Yeah, so, um, well, we actually spent the last two years with um, my wife, Keris, living out in Jordan. Um, so we were there for two years and obviously COVID came along and we weren't sure what we were going to do. And uh, yeah, she got offered a job out here in Bangkok and we managed to go the long way around via England for a two-week quarantine and then two-week quarantine in Bangkok. But uh, yeah, after a month of being quarantined places, we're, we're free and loose in Thailand now. Yeah, there's, there's definitely worse places to be than Thailand. I'd, I I, I would have loved to be out in Thailand right now, but the logistics of it, it's just not worked out. I'm in Cornwall instead, which is not, which not is pretty, too bad. Pretty nice. Yeah, it's all right, isn't yeah. it? I was going to ask you, Henry, what, why did I ask you on this podcast? What, tra- what qualifies you as a travel expert or a travel professional 
Um, well, I mean, in terms of working in travel, I've been working travel for the last sort of 12, 13 years off and on. Um, I've worked as a travel manager, sort of running teams for various companies in both retail and corporate travel. Um, I've worked as a tour leader as well. Uh, so I've worked out in the Middle East as a tour leader across Europe on a couple of different stints. And yeah, so I mean, that's my professional background. And then obviously it's my hobby as well. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm so fairly well-traveled in my own time. Yeah, you're well-traveled. And obviously you are, like you say, you've been in profession for 12 years. So when I was when I was thinking of people to ask on the show, that it was a no-brainer to ask yourself. So you're familiar with the format. I've told you how it works. You've, you get three countries and you can only visit these three countries for the rest of your life yeah it's brutal and you also get a wild card and the wild card has to the wild card has to be a country that you've never been to so i might just jump straight in into it henrik and just go go for your country number one And I thought of this in a few different ways and I was trying to figure out whether I should just pick my top favourite countries or go by size because, you know, a bigger country, you're going to have more opportunities. So I was sort of batting that around. But like my first choice is purely, um, is one of my favourite places I've ever travelled. I really want to go back and it's Costa Rica. Okay. I've never been there. So why, why Costa Rica? Uh, I mean, I love it. I mean, in one way, like it, it ticks the box of being quite a big country. So you've got a lot of variety there, but I've only traveled there the once and it's somewhere I really want to go back to and do more. So I did three weeks around there uh, with a good friend of mine. We basically, we like to do our travel independently, as I'm sure probably you do as well. Yeah. So you know, we turned up, we hired a four by four and just you know, set off and hit up all the points we wanted to. But for me, it was, it was just the pure variety of Costa Rica was amazing. You've got you know, the cloud forests, and it's one of the few places in the world where you've got cloud forest. You've got amazing places like Arenal where you can hike up you know, the old volcano lava trails. You can go whitewater rafting. You've got amazing beaches for surfing. Um, it's just it's such an adventure travel destination. Uh, forgive me, ignorance. What is cloud forest? Is it literally what it says on the tin? It is, yeah. I didn't know what it was either before we went there. I just sort of saw it. It was one of the things you had to do when you're in Costa Rica. But um, yeah, apparently only 1% of the world is, in terms of the forests, is cloud forest. And it's a specific kind of rainforest that, because of the climate there, is basically always covered in cloud all year round. Okay. So it's always got that slightly sort of rainy, wet, moist climate to it, which means it's just amazingly, you know, lush, verdant, huge, yeah. huge rainforests. Okay. Um, so yeah, that was that was our first stop in um, in Costa Rica, and um, the funny thing about Costa Rica is that there's no addresses in Costa Rica. There's no right. road names, so to so find I'd... places, you basically have <laughs> exactly you have to. Obviously, we were driving, so you have to have a sat nav, and you basically punch in the nearest site that's close to wherever you want to go. So, if it's the hotel you're staying in, you punch in the name of the hotel. But yeah, that hotel doesn't exist on a road <laughs> address or anything like that. So, yeah, that's really strange. But so, a, when did you go? I think that was 2015. I want to say. Okay. 14, cool. 15. So it's a while ago, but um, I, I think I've, I had a couple of Costa Ricans on my on one of my tours actually. I mean, he was actually a tour guide in Costa Rica and he he was basically he said it was really good for like nature trails and like like bird spot bird spotting that kind of thing. 
Yeah, I mean, amazing nature. Uh, I mean, I'm not much of a bird spotter, but I mean, you, yeah, the amount of stuff that you just see at random, um, no idea what these things are, but yeah, the, the nature and wildlife is, is unbelievable. Um, yeah, we stayed one night in um, this, uh, oh, geez, I can't remember the name of the place. It'll probably come back to me, but it was a real sort of mecca for whitewater rafting. Okay. And uh, we stayed in the middle of the jungle there in this sort of fixed tent camp. And uh, the wildlife there, if anything, was a, a bit too much. Some of the things that came buzzing at us out of the nighttime, <laughs> like these huge winged insects that are yeah. battering off your head. For people listening, what would be like the must do or must visit thing to do in, in Costa Rica? Um, well, you're always going to fly into San Jose, which is the capital. Um, it's not somewhere I'd recommend staying. It's literally where you're going to go in and you know, make your way to other places. My favourite, favourite thing that we did there was Arenal. Uh, it's a big nature reserve that's uh, centred on two volcanoes. So there's a, a, well, an active volcano and the dead volcano, and you can do hikes up both. Um, so the active volcano is obviously not active now, but it, yeah. it potentially could be at some point. So, yeah, and the old volcano, you amazing one of the best hikes i've ever done you go three hours through the rainforest up to the top of this thing and in the crater of the old volcano is now this massive giant green lake oh, that you okay. can dive in and have a swim around in at the end of your, your hot and sweaty hike oh, that sounds um, yeah, definitely one of my favorite things i've done did you have to like get a guide or did you just know is it like a well well-trodden track no so it's really well trodden it's it's literally one way up and one way down this mountain right um i mean not not an easy way up and easy yeah, way yeah. down it's muddy and slidey and but uh, yeah no no guides necessary yeah so was it all action and adventure when you were there or, or is there like i imagine there's good beaches on good places to drink and stuff like that <laughs> yeah so we i mean we went a bit off season so it wasn't party party time when we were there but um we went to a town called tamarindo which is on the Pacific coast. And that's very much the sort of party hub of Costa Rica. Okay. And that's where all the backpackers sort of congregate. And uh, amazing beaches for surfing, like the easiest surfing I've ever done in my life. I'm not much of a surfer, but the waves just roll in so regularly that you, you can't fail to catch okay. a wave in this yeah. place. Um, and then, yeah, every evening, what really struck me about Tamarindo is they're super organized with their nightlife. Basically, every night, they let you know, like all the locals will say, like, this is the night to go to this bar. Okay. And then Tuesday night, you go to that club. So even when it's not busy and it's off season, you still go to this bar and this club and everyone's there. Everyone from town's piled in. So it oh, okay. just feels amazing anyway. That's cool. Did you have any, get into running into any bother or any trouble in Costa Rica or any stories that stick out? I've, I've got to say Costa Rica was, was super safe. Um, so no trouble at all, but we did have a, a funny little incident. Um, we went to this hippie beach town called Montezuma and just a little bit down from Tamarindo. And again, I, this is my favorite thing to do when I'm traveling. I love hiking, you know, getting out and just seeing things. And we did a hike up to this sort of free tier waterfall. It takes you a couple of hours. You hike through the rainforest and you hit the first tier. Then you keep going, you hit the second tier and then okay. you get all the way to the top. And then you can do crazy things like jump off the cliffs and trees into it. Yeah. But on our way up, we, um, we passed this American guy a bit sort of fat and sweaty and he was clambering his way up there and um, didn't see him again until the top where he turned up with like a massive black eye and a bloody nose. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so literally there were some locals hiding in the trees wanting to mug tourists on their way up to this waterfall. And I can only guess that me and my other friend were walking up, looked a bit too a bit too big much of a handful. 
Or, or not worth robbing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just literally too poor to worth robbing, which is normally how I look when I try yeah. that. Um, whereas this guy had apparently like a flash camera on him. And yeah, like they they jumped out of the trees and just beat him up and stole his camera and, uh, and ran That's away. mental, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so super crazy. That's good. But yeah, on, on a personal level, no, no issues at all. Oh, no. um, okay. In actual fact, I think, I mean, Costa Rica is super safe yeah, yeah. As, a, as a place to travel. What would you say, if you're going to go back to Costa Rica right now, what would be the first thing that you seek out to eat? Um, I mean, I'm quite lowbrow with my food. <laughs> so I, um, I I love like the staples and basics. So what I remember from Costa Rica was the, is it the Gayo Pinto, Pinto Gayo? Gayo Pinto, I think it's that way around, which is, uh, I mean, it means spotted rooster. Right. And it's like one of the most typical dishes that you have for breakfast. And it's literally just rice and beans uh, with all sorts of spices thrown in. And it's normally served with scrambled eggs for breakfast. Dead simple, super tasty. Love it. Okay. Have okay. I ate, ate that every day. That was my breakfast every day. <laughs> Sounds good. I'd like to try it. Yeah. I'd, I mean, I always like, I mean, food's actually one of my favorite things when I travel. And like, yeah, I like to eat like a local. So if that's that's what's on offer for breakfast, then I'm yeah. having it. Exactly. Absolutely. Is it be a, anything else you'd like to add about Costa Rica before we move on? I think no. I mean, that covers it. Um, yeah, in terms of wildlife, I mean, the one thing that I didn't get to see, which I really want to go back and see, is the the sloths. It's one of the few places on the world where where they live in the rainforest. Ah, okay. So if you're a, an animal, is that fan, where you see like the videos of like the sloths crossing the roads and stuff? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's the ones. Okay. So yeah, next next time, I'm definitely planning on going and checking that out. They, they've got the sanctuaries that look after them and. So is Costa Rica, I know it's in your travel bubble list, but is it on a, on the list of places you're going to go back and revisit? Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, I, I'm i not one of these people. I certainly know people that when you chat to them and they'll rattle off, I've been to, you know, 100 countries. I've been to, you know, like 120 countries, like crazy yeah. amounts. And I always wonder how much of those places they've seen. Like, I like to spend time in a place. And so, yeah, I'd love to go back to Costa Rica and, and see more of it. And, yeah. Yeah. So you're I'd not like spend a, a month or... You're not a box sticker yeah yeah i mean I, you, you meet people like that didn't you on your travels and oh 100 like, yeah, yeah yeah i was here i was there and now i'm going there it's like jesus ch- chill out just actually enjoy the place like, get like to know Ka- it a little bit. casper mentions like some people saying that they've they've done a country so like when, when are we going to go and do this um, we're going to go and do russia like just literally to like yeah. add, add the list and just keep going okay. down this list and until you've ticked off all like as many countries as you can but like you said, there's no better way of spending a bit of time in somewhere and actually getting to know it. Well, I, I mean, when I worked in, in travel, like one of my first years I worked, I met this guy, he's an English guy, but he lived in Japan and he was very much doing that. He was ticking off the world. I mean, he, he'd done some amazing trips, but he came in one day and he, he wanted to check out Micronesia and he literally got me to book in flights, like hopping from island to island. He spent like sometimes even only like six hours in an island where he was hopping off to the next one so he could you know, right, do that, tick them off. Tick it off. But, you know, for some people, that's that's the thrill. For, for yeah. me, it's being in the place. Yeah. So was three weeks enough? Obviously, you want to go back with... Nowhere near enough, no. I mean, we I mean, uh, we did some cool, cool things, but I definitely got to the end of that trip going, oh, yeah, I just want to keep going. Yeah. I, I mean, if I could have had a, yeah, two, two months and you might be able to hit up most of the country because all we did was literally start from San, San Jose, drive up to the north, and then cut into the, the Pacific. Okay. Um, coast so we missed all the all the other side basically of costa rica right okay cool so costa rica is country number one what what would be your country number two 
So country number two, I've gone for, I thought it was one that uh, no one else was going to choose, but you told me that Casper uh, went for it as well, but I've gone for <laughs> France. Um, and I, I love France. And uh, again, it's uh, it's kind of ticking the box on my like big country sort of list. It's, you know, there's yeah. a lot to do there. So if I've only got three countries that I'm allowed to go check out forevermore, then, you know, may as well make them big ones. Um, but yeah, it's one of them things like France is on our doorstep. And I bet yeah. not many people have actually been there or really experienced it. I, I, I've, obviously, I've been to Paris. I've done, that's all I've done in France. And I've not, I've not been anywhere else. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I studied French at university and I got to live in Avignon in the south of France as part of my year um, studying abroad. And that's when I really fell in love with, with okay. the country. The south of France is just unbelievable. Um, it's yeah, it's it's got everything. You've got obviously the coast. You've got the Côte d'Azur, um, Provence uh, is just stunning. I mean, it's so so beautiful. If, if you're into your art and you know you like Van Gogh and you can see like the the scenes that he painted from Provence, the south of France, it's just the most stunning place. Yeah. Did did you get married in France? Yeah, I did. Yeah, because I mean, I, I I'm a big fan of of France, and uh, I suggested to my wife when we kind of changed our um, our wedding plans, we went from a 200 people wedding to hiring a little chateau in the south of France for a week, and just having 30 people in for a week, and just partying it up. I remember you <laughs> telling me chateau. that. I thought that's just like like it's obviously stuck in my head because I thought that was that was that's a good way of doing a wedding, isn't it? That's my that's my biggest baller moment. That yeah, the chateau for a week. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. So obviously you're touching it. So France, why France? Just because you literally, you fell in love with it for that year and you got married there. Have you been back often? Yeah, I mean, it's a place that I go back to constantly. I'm a big skiing fan, which is again, another reason why it's hit the top of my list because the Alps. So it sort of ticks all my boxes for winter, getting into the mountains, chucking myself down a slope. Um, but what I really love about France is, yeah, is the south of France. That's like, if it was a separate, I mean, it's almost a separate country in itself. The south of France, they, uh, they've got a separate sort of dialect, different way of living, different way of speaking. Yeah. Um, and yeah, spending a year there was just amazing. Uh, I was what, 20, 21. I drove down there in my old beat up car and I had that to just go off and explore in every weekend. Or, well, not even every weekend. I only had to study like six hours a week. Yeah. So. <laughs> so what made you choose uh, French at uni? Um, I, I mean, I've always loved languages. My family's Polish, um, which I kind of got as a freebie. I've never learned Polish and you know, <laughs> I actually learned English, I guess, when, when they moved here when I was five. Um, but yeah, I've always loved languages. And uh, obviously, like at school, there wasn't too many options. You had French or German and um, I don't know, France seemed like somewhere a bit more interesting for me than Germany. Yeah. So I stuck with the French um, and I'm glad I did. Uh, yeah, I couldn't have asked for a better year. It's one of my favourite years I've spent living abroad. Actually, how old was you? Was you? Were you then? So I'd have been 20, going on 21 in that year. Okay. Yeah. And so you said it's one of your favourite places you've lived abroad. Where, where have you lived? I know you've lived in Jordan, now now Thailand. Yeah, I mean, I've lived out in the States for a while. Uh, I've lived in France, lived in Jordan. Um, I've lived in Egypt for a while as well, out in the Middle East. Um, so those are the ones where I've been sort of permanently located and then everywhere else has been backpacking around. So you've never in one place for more than like a couple of months at a go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So what would be, for people not people listening, what would be your main tip or your main thing to do in France? In France? Um, well, I'm going to recommend 
uh, I think like a, a road trip for me is like a great way. So I'm going to stick with the south of France. Yeah. And I just loved road tripping around there. It's something we always used to do with friends. We just pile in a car because um, we didn't obviously have a lot of money at 2021. So the, the whole thing was we just drive the car, find a beach, pull out our sleeping bags, go to sleep on the beach, you know, save our hotel money, wake up the next day and, and keep going. I've done some amazing trips like that. And if I was 2021 again, I, I'm sorry, I'd do it now. I mean, I'd <laughs> yeah. go off and do that again now. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah some of my favourite trips ever. I mean, you, you get a bit tired sometimes, but uh, not all the beaches are the most comfy. Like you get woken up by, I mean, like we slept in Cannes one night and they have like those massive, like like sort of peace basher sort of things that sort of smooth out the oh, sand. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we woke up at 2am with one of those bearing down on us. Yeah. I had to move rather quickly and <laughs> got moved on from Monte Carlo beach as well there. Cause yeah, obviously Monte Carlo, they don't let you sleep on the beaches. Right. But that, um, that, they were the only two places you had, you had problems that everywhere else you could just like free camp kind of thing. Yeah. We never, never really had any issues. Uh, well, I say we never had any issues. Um, that's another reason I picked France actually, because you got Corsica as part of France. So I'm like, I'm claiming that as, yeah. as like an extra travel destination. <laughs> and um, yeah, on, on one trip that we did like that, we, we went to Corsica and uh, we're always really careful. Like at night when you're sleeping on beaches, like, I mean, you know, you don't want to be stupid. So like sleeping bag goes on, you dig a little nice comfy sort of canoe shape in the sand to wedge yourself into. And then normally everything would go in the bottom of the sleeping bag. So like wallets, car keys. So if someone was going to rob you, like they'd basically have to tip you out of your sleeping bag. Yeah. yeah. And uh, one night in Corsica, we we're in the capital Ajaccio and uh, I remember this night as being one of my favorite, favorite nights on that trip, because, you know, when you, when you travel and you ask for like a big beer or like, you know, and you're in France, so and grand beer and you make the hand gesture, like yeah, something yeah. that's really, really big. And um, yeah. So the guy brought us back a grand beer and it was literally a grand beer, like two times the size <laughs> of a pint. I was so happy. Class. So yeah, we kept, kept ordering these all night. And, and then because we were the worst for wear at the end of that evening, normally we'd find a quiet corner and, pack ourselves away but that night we slept pretty close to the main beach just had about enough wherewithal to get in my sleeping bag and pass out and stupidly that night I chucked the car keys in the bag stuck it under my head and used the bag as a pillow and then woke up at 6am or whatever to find the bag not where I'd left it as a pillow empty strewn out our car emptied out and robbed we lost all our passports all our money, all our credit cards, apart from one of the guys we were with had slept with his, in his sleeping bag as you should. So uh, we weren't completely destitute, but yeah, we were robbed pretty, pretty well in Corsica. That's mad. It's funny they didn't take the car as well. Yeah, I think they they must have been small time. That was obviously too, <laughs> yeah. too big a steal for yeah, them. Yeah, that's mad. So you'd get in a road trip and you'd just drive, just drive around the south of France, basically. That'd be the... Thing to do yeah well i mean it would normally be all across europe but yeah we'd, we'd start off in the south of france and yeah go all around there and then keep heading off into italy or spain or austria germany which whichever i mean every year was something different yeah how many how many lads would with the how, how many with the weather oh normally normally three normally three of us that's about as many as you want to fit in a car before it starts getting <laughs> really uncomfortable okay that sounds great um obviously france famous for its cuisine what would be like your food of choice. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna lowbrow it again um, because yeah, I mean French cuisine is is amazing, uh, super you know the whole cuisine. But my favourite thing out there is on a ski holiday is the raclette. Okay. So the, yeah, you know the big the, the cheese, cheese. Yeah, yeah. 
then you heat up and you just scrape it off onto the meats and keep eating until you feel terrible and then yeah. keep eating some more. Love it. Yeah. Okay. So what meat, I've never had it, you know, what, what meats would you have with it? No. So you have all that. I mean, that's the other great part of it. Like France, you've got the amazing charcuterie, haven't you? All the, yeah. the sort of different jambons and hams and cured meats. So yeah, it's just a big selection of those normally with some boiled potatoes, um, some gherkins and other things. And yeah, you just spear it all in, smear the uh, the cheese all over it and yeah, you're golden. And you always have it on a ski holiday. So you feel fine for like consuming probably like 2000 calories in the Yeah, because you're literally burning that off every day. Yeah, I've, exactly. I've never even so been skiing, right. you know. Never been skiing. What? I know. Oh, the Sherman. My my favorite favorite holidays. Yeah, it's just all go start to finish. There's not like a dull moment. You get up, you hit the slopes all day. You get off, you do your apres ski. You go, you eat something, keep apres skiing, start again. Where's the best skiing you've done? Um. I mean, I've, I've skied France a lot, but actually I think my favourite skiing a few years ago, we did a road trip around Canada. Okay. Um, we hit up four four different ski resorts in Canada and they just blew my mind. Is that uh, Whist- is Whistler yeah. one of them? We finished up in Whistler, yeah. And I think the big difference skiing in Canada, I mean, one, the scale of these places is immense, but yeah. two, it's like in, in Europe, they talk about off-piste skiing where you, you find like some dodgy side of a mountain and, you know, you risk it off there. Whereas in America and Canada, they just open up the mountain to you. So everything's the piece. They just sort of say, this is a bowl, ski it. And you just get amongst the trees. Right. You go where you want. It's, yeah. That sounds great. No, I've, it's on my list of things to do, I've just, but I've just never done it. Um, but my friend, friend keeps threatening to take me, so uh, oh, I will go. I, I don't know anybody who hasn't loved it. I, mean, I took Keris, my wife, last year for her first time ever, and yeah, she's a convert now. So yeah, what did she do? She skiing or snowboarding? She did skiing. Yeah, yeah. So I've got I've got friends that snow. They don't do snowboarding. It's it's lame. Be a skier. So you got two countries. You got Costa Rica. You got France. What would be your country yeah. number three? um so i've got i mean this was so hard obviously to try and and pick a country but i I sort of thought of again like some of my favorite travels that i did and i went with vietnam okay why why vietnam so i mean i talked to you about like those yeah french and european road trips that we used to do when i was younger and my first proper round the world trip we had a bit of a an argument with my friend adam about which way we were going to go and i wanted to go to south america and he wanted to go to asia where he'd been before Southeast Asia specifically and we sort of flipped a coin and he won and I'm so happy he did and we landed <laughs> in Thailand and we we went on and did yeah obviously Thailand as you know is great but we went on to Cambodia and Vietnam and I think all in all we were thinking of spending maybe two months in all those countries and we stayed here for one was six seven months in the end we were just loving it so much yeah and I think, and I think Vietnam was, was certainly one of my my favourites. I ended up spending almost yeah three months in Vietnam alone, and yeah, it just it, it had everything. I, I, it's been a long time to be honest since I've been there, and now that I'm back in Thailand, I'm curious to go back and see how it's changed. I'm not obviously now is not the best time to to rate that because tourism's not really happening. Mm. But when I was there, it was it was a super backpackery destination. You know, you'd hit up big cities and and be the only white face wandering around. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that and that was the time. I think you asked me earlier. We were talking about your uh, your lovely luscious hair. I had very long hair back then, <laughs> and that was um, and that was when David Beckham was uh, was still. Uh, 
he had his lovely lustrous locks yeah. and I was in Danang one day and I, I started counting it in the end. And uh, I think 35 people like called me Beckham on my way around Danang. That's mad. So that was... <laughs> but so yeah, I was like, I, I didn't see another tourist all day. I was like, the, I was a, such an oddity wandering around there, especially with the, the long blonde hair. Yeah. Well, I went to Vietnam probably about seven years ago and still yeah. like, you think tourism, like there is a, a lot of tourism going on, but people were still literally like taking photos, touching, touching the skin, touching yeah. the hair. Yeah. And like, yeah. like, we went on, like we got some motorbikes and didn't know the easy rider like type of, type of thing. Um, and people, <laughs> yeah, would, yeah. people were stopping us and like inviting us into the house. Like so, like because we're like we were so novel, but I, I just didn't even cross my mind that mm-hmm. I was going to be in like a novelty or um, when I went there, but it re- really was. Yeah, exactly that. We we did something quite similar with um, you know my friends. We we bought um, motorbikes, like cheapy, cheapy, cheap motorbikes that we kept having to get fixed every other week while we were driving <laughs> around. But um, yeah, we just had a, a Vietnamese phrase book to kind of help us out. And yeah, it's exactly like you say. You'd end up in this little village that you you didn't really know where it was, and people would come out and exactly that invite you in for a meal and see yeah, yeah. just lovely that the, the hospitality in that country yeah. was just. Out of this world. So where, where did you get to on your trip? What was it? Did you go up, like, did you go south to north or? Very much, yeah. We, we kind of straight lined it from the south. So um, we got in from, I can't remember even how we, we were in Cambodia before. I think we, we got a boat up the Mekong into into Vietnam. I don't know if we went all the way to Ho Chi Minh. So long ago that I, yeah, I forget, yeah. but uh, Ho Chi Minh was the, the first sort of big stop on the way. And then, yeah, back then, uh, you've been there more recently than me, but back then you used to be able to buy a, a ticket for, I think it cost $20 that would allow you something like 12, 15 bus hops up the country. Oh, yeah, no, I know. So basically, you, you just yeah. jump. Yeah, so you jump on, get off at the next stop, then jump back on, get off at the next stop, and yeah, you could work your way up up the country like that. Yeah, um, yeah. which is what we did until we we got a bit further up and we got to the Trang, which is the sort of party destination. Did you did you stop there? Um, where is that? This is very it's on the coast. It's very no, it's kind of halfway up from what I remember. Ah, yeah, I think it's 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 a massive Rus- Russian destination now. I think it wasn't then, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I've, so I've we, heard we it's act- changed. But- we actually missed it because we. We were told, like, don't bother, basically. It was like, oh. going to, like, it's like the Russian Benidorm or something like that. So we, we, we skipped it. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how places, I've, I've been to so many places, like, when I'm yeah, working, that end up these Russian enclaves. It's like, yeah, how yeah. it happens, yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, it, it certainly wasn't like that when I was there. It was very backpackery. <laughs> and it was the place where all the backpackers would congregate to have a, a meet-up and a party because... Yeah, the rest of Vietnam, you you felt very so. It's not like Thailand. You're always, you know, Thailand. You're always meeting people, and yeah, there's yeah. something going on. Whereas Vietnam was, yeah, a little bit more solitary. Okay, the, one of the maddest places that we got where we went to was they just discovered like the biggest cave in the world. Like, I, I can't think exactly where it is, but like it's obviously been there f- forever. But like the, lo- the lo- this local man just literally discovered it, and it turned out to be the biggest cave in the world. And obviously it started to become a little bit of a tourist destination, but like only uh-huh. like the previous year. So all these like little businesses had sprung up in this area and it just felt like it was obviously on the cusp of being mental and we got there right just at the right time. But I would like to go back and see how those destinations have changed because I remember there was like three Australian guys and one of one had opened a, back, uh, a backpackers and another one had opened a pub. And like you could just tell that they were going to, to start end up ruling the roost in that town. It was like the Wild West or something. 
but it was great. I loved it. Yeah, I certainly met a lot of characters like that. We met like these Canadian guys uh, who'd been living in the Trang for like donkey's years, and I think. I haven't kept in touch with them, but my friend Adam ended up working in their bar and managing it. And I think he's kept in touch with them. They, they've just stayed there. They've been living there the last sort of 20 odd years, settled down, you know, got married to a local, had kids. And, yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, countries capture you like that. But the tourism aspect of it, I'm, I'm really curious about seeing because when we were traveling around there, that was, I mean, gosh, 15 years ago now. And it was really, you could see it was gearing up for tourism in a big way. Mm. Like there were you know, like there were certain beach towns where they were just piling massive hotel, a massive yeah, hotel, yeah. a massive hotel. Which I, I mean, uh, unfortunately, I mean, you work in tourism, and like that's you know, it's, it's a benefit to the local economy. It's great people come in, but I, I kind of hate it. Like I love going off the the beaten track sort of places. So it always makes me a bit sad when yeah. you go somewhere and then you come back and it's suddenly changed into yeah, just the four seasons and. Like my my you're you're in Bangkok now. My favorite bar in Bangkok is called Jack's Bar and it's on the river. And okay. It's it's still amazing, but like it's a it's like a little shack and it's the Shangri-La Hotel is is like literally just there and it's at the base of the Shangri-La and it's like it couldn't be more different than the Shangri-La bar, basically. It's like wooden yeah. wooden like wooden floor over the river and if a boat goes past your feet get wet and it's dead cheap and it's amazing. The food's great as well. And I was like, I went back to Bangkok a couple of years ago. And I'm like, I can't wait to get back to Jack's. Like the first thing I did was I got back to the hotel, dropped my bags and went straight to Jack's bar. And it had changed so yeah. much. It's still, it's still a great bar. The location of it is like yeah. unbeatable because you're over the river and it's beautiful. But it just changed uh-huh. so much. Like, you know what it was? It used to be like authentically rustic. Now it was fake, <laughs> rustic. You know where they had like weathered wood uh-huh. that's not actually real. Oh, and they yeah, had yeah. they had um, the normal bar. And they had a wine bar on tap, so they had, they had all these different like three wines on tap. I was like, oh my, it's changed so much in the space of like four years. It's still it's still a really good bar, but it just massively changed because it gets discovered and it obviously it's good, obviously good for Jack, yeah. but it's you feel you feel sad <laughs> selfishly. Yeah, I'm, I'm awful. I'm, I love a good dive bar. Uh, some of my best nights have um, have been in horribly random places that you wander into and you go, Jesus Christ, I'm going to have wandering here to be polite and not stay. And then you're closing up the bar at like 2 a.m. and you've had an amazing night. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So what would be your must-do activity in Vietnam? Hmm, so many. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to pick a, a bit of a mainstream one. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's so the highlight in terms of, what is an amazing country already, but how long Bay up the top there? I think it's, it's hard to beat. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not like people haven't heard of it. I'm not giving away any big secrets here, but um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just stunning. There's not anywhere else in the world. Obviously, I mean, a few places in Thailand that look a little bit similar, but just the scale yeah, yeah. Um, of that vista going out to sea. And I definitely spend like a night on a boat highly recommended yeah what did you what how did you do it what, what was your what did you do well i obviously i was backpacking around so uh i, I didn't <laughs> investigate the health and safety too much i just kind of picked uh, the cheapest boat i could find and, and yeah. spent the night on it which is fine um yeah maybe like you hear a few horror stories nowadays maybe recommend to people listening to this story this uh podcast to do a bit of research and find themselves a good safe company because yeah a few yeah, have exactly years, uh, we, we did it we went on a boat and it was two nights at sea and you go to Cat Bar, you have one night at Cat Bar Island 
And so there's, there was like 10 of us on this trip. And we, we ended up getting speaking to each other. I remember mean, like being friends with each other. We were like, how much did you pay? Like, how much did you pay? Like, how much did you pay for this? And some people have paid like 700 quid. Or like it, it really ranged like 700, 600, 500. I think we paid like 100. But it, we were all literally getting the same service. <laughs> Yeah, never ask that question. If you're happy to pay it at the time, yeah, exactly. Like it. So what yeah, you're going to yeah. do is make yourself miserable when you find you've, out you've overpaid. You've, uh, you've took the choice and you paid the money. You thought it was worth it at the time, didn't you? But we yeah. had we had a great time. Like I ended up being ill in in Catbar Island, so we missed the boat going back. So they said, "Oh, you you just get better, and we'll, we'll next time we're through here, you can just jump on the next boat." So we ended up staying in Catbar for an extra like couple of days, and it happens uh-huh. what happened that. Um, Ho Chi Minh visited this visited Catbar Island once, and every year they have this big like celebratory party to mark the anniversary of his visit to the island. Oh, and it was that okay. weekend, so we just had this we're at this big like festival, like I, I, I just like lucky really. And we ended up meeting meeting some really great people. And we went to this big beer festival, drinking like I've never I've never seen it before or since. But they were like kegs of beer, and you just got your own keg. But like I'd say it was like a litre. So everyone okay. many litre kegs, but like actual kegs. And that's how they served the beer. And we were just drinking these little kegs all night. It was great. I mean, made friends there that like we're still in touch with them on Facebook and stuff that we met them on that night. It was it was great. But I I, I always remember yeah. that little cat bar. Yeah, I'm I'm not surprised because oh, that's yeah, that's one of the reasons why I've put Vietnam as my favourite, because the people are so friendly. I mean, I remember when I left Natrang, that was when I, I split up with Adam. He stayed there and he was working in a bar and I decided to go on solo. And um, I jumped on the train from Natrang. And one of the, the main things I'd sort of read everywhere was um, there's like a big thing, like you get on these trains and like a local will come up and they'll offer you a beer and you'll take the beer and you'll drink it and it's drug and you pass out and they'll, you know, rob you blind. Right. So don't, don't take don't take beers off strangers was basically the, the rule. So I got on this train, on my sleeper carriage, I'm going like on this, like it's an overnight 12 hour train journey. And this guy comes in my carriage and sharing carriage with me, offers me a beer, I take it and we start <laughs> drinking. <laughs> Yeah, flat out ignored that one. And it was, and yeah, it was great. We got to Da Nang on the other side and he took me out and he showed me all around Da Nang and uh, met like his family and his sister at university. And I got shown around like university and like, I mean, that was super interesting to me. Like university, like the comfort that you live in in England, like you got your own room, you got probably yeah, on suite yeah. or something. And, like I went to see his sister and like her friends and they had one room, which is like, I don't know, maybe like two meters by three meters or smaller, like nothing on the floor, six of them living in it. If they wanted to cook, they pulled a hot plate out. So I came over, they made me dinner by cooking the, you know, the hot yeah. plate on the floor. You'd all sit around and that was their university life. And I just, I loved that. I loved seeing how, you know, proper life sort of works. Yeah, and, yeah, real life. And, you know, so sometimes like, yeah, like you've got to be a bit wary when you travel and you don't want to be an idiot and end up in in all sorts of problems because you can do but uh yeah accepting a beer off of a stranger on the train worked out well for me yes, that's great we were in this one place i can't think what it was called but it was a little town and it wasn't it wasn't well visited by tourists like because it wasn't on like the 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 trail that everyone does but we we took the easy riders on the on the bikes and we ended up in this little town and mm-hmm. went out to this little market one night and there was no table for us to sit down I think it was raining, but this table with three men had an umbrella. So they were like, 
they, they gestured for us to we can sit at their table. And we uh-huh. ended up sitting with them. There was three was three brothers, I think, and we they they spoke no English and I spoke no Vietnamese, but they knew Alex Ferguson and Manchester United. So literally, we we sat there with him for like three hours, and we got Alex Ferguson and hey, and we'd we'd like drink Man United, hey, and we'd all cheers, and then they give us some. Um, uh, chicken feet and I don't really like chicken yeah. feet I'm, like, I'm not a fan of them no. I don't no. um, but we we, we ate them because we like, we've been polite we ate the chicken feet and they're like oh is it good and we're like yeah it's really good thanks <laughs> so they bought more because I was like ah, right and then so yeah. and then they bought us like a, we were drinking like slabs of beer like crates of beer so we bought uh-huh. they bought a crate and started sharing the crate with us like so we started drinking so then I bought Bought them a crate back, say thank you. So then they bought more chicken feet to say thank you to me. <laughs> I was like, this is this is a vicious circle. This. But we ended up sitting there with him for like hours, and all we could say was Alex Ferguson and Man United, and it was just great. Like we had a really yeah. great night. I mean, I've got so many stories like that, especially when I was travelling by myself, because you'd always yeah. be invited over by locals here. The way they all sit around on that, they lay the blanket out and they just set up a picnic and they've yeah, always yeah. got that bottle of like their homemade rice wine. Yeah, yeah, lots of the crazy oh, stuff. Some, some of the nights I had sat around with just these random people that wave you over. Yeah, you couldn't really speak to each other. Um, but after like a few bottles of the rice wine, you're getting on like a house on fire. And yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I had one night, I, I met um, this motorcycle guide when I was in the train, made very good friends with him. Actually, someone I still keep in touch with. And um, he, he invited me over one night to uh, to meet his uh, his sister. He was, gonna, he was basically trying to set me up with his sister. <laughs> um, so I turned up uh, to <laughs> the house of the, the father, mother, daughter, who turned out to be, I think, about 15. Right. So like that was off. <laughs> so it's okay thank, thank you for introducing to me a sister-in-law when she's 15 um but the father-in-law is exact same thing like spoke like three words of english and obviously i spoke no vietnamese and i stayed around their house like for two or three hours drinking that was super hospitable they gave me food gave me loads of drink and uh, one of the few things he could say was uh, you come Vietnam, <laughs> Vietnam number one. <laughs> and I'd have to go, yes, Vietnam number one. And you sort of raise your finger, <laughs> yeah, raise yeah. His finger at me like number one. I'd... And, and this was all we did all evening. Like he just like, he'd sit there drinking. And then he turned to me, goes, you come Vietnam, <laughs> Vietnam number one. Yeah. And then sometimes he'd go Vietnam and I'd go number one. And then after about two hours, he varied it a little bit. He'd go Vietnam, not number two. And I go number one. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> that was it. That was our, our conversation all night. Class. We we did the, we didn't hire the motorbikes. We hired like the drivers. So we were like ah, we had these okay. two old men, like motorbike guides, and they were all like they were. I'm talking late sixties, early seventies. <laughs> uh, they had these two big like two motorbikes, but they took us to all the places that we'd never we would never have gone in these places. But especially for food and drink, they're like, "Oh, come with mm. us tonight." And we had, we had some amazing meals to, by doing that. But the, one of the old men, one of them was like really old and small. And he, he said he liked running. So I went running one day and he came running with me. And <laughs> like, it was great. But the other the other old man was a bit suave. He used to gel his hair back and like put loads of like pomade in his hair or whatever. And he had a different woman in every town. 
So what he'd do oh. is like, so we'd have a meal and he'd go, right, I've got to go now and meet meet my girlfriend. <laughs> he, had a, he had a different <laughs> different woman in every port. It was it was mad, yeah. but we, I really enjoyed it because we we saw different we saw things that we would not have not have seen without them too. It was great. Yeah, I, I did something similar with um, with my friend Young. So because um, obviously he he did these tours, I, I got my own bike with him rather than go on the back of his. But we we did a tour where he took me around, and we finished up. And at the time, I think I'd overstayed in Vietnam, so I'd had to send my passport off to get a visa extension. Yeah. And every hotel you stay in normally wants to see your passport. So it was a bit tricky. We went to a few places that let me in without checking the passport. But the last town we were staying in, it was just impossible, but it was his hometown. So we went to stay with his parents on their little farm, like in the middle of the rice paddies. Yeah. Someone really kindly as they do, like there's the hospitality, you know, it's this wooden shack. Um, they gave up, like one of them gave up their bed for me. And, you know, I'm protesting, no, no, no. But yeah, they've yeah. given up the bed. And yeah, one of my favorite memories, like you get out to this farm, uh, someone you know grabs a chicken that's scurrying by and slits its throat. And, yeah. you know, I'm invited to pluck this chicken for dinner. And um, yeah, so I stayed there for the night. And uh, I, I think I bought a bottle of brandy or something to give to Jung's dad to sort of say thank you for letting yeah. me stay, which the next morning he cracked open for breakfast and <laughs> served me as the guest, like a big <laughs> slug of this, this brandy I brought him to say thank you. But um I mean, the thing that struck me about that is it's one of my, my fondest memories of traveling, especially sort of app now when we're talking about, you know, traveling and going around the world. His, his dad must have been, I don't know, in his 70s, I'd guess. Yeah. And I was chatting to him, sort of being translated a bit by Jung, and he said that in all his, you know, 70-odd years of life, he'd not been more than, like, I think, two or three miles in any direction from his little village. That's as far as he'd ever gone. And that was his word. And he was just so happy. He was just so happy, man. Like he, yeah, you yeah. Know, he was the most sort of serene, at peace guy I've ever met. So yeah, he obviously liked where he was. Yeah, and exactly. it was mighty, mighty beautiful, I have to <laughs> say. That's what that's one of the things about this podcast. The more you know about the more places you want to live, want to visit. Um mm-hmm. so like obviously I want to go to Costa Rica now. And it's like ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would be your food of choice in Vietnam? So I think I mean, there's there's a lot, isn't there? There's a Vietnamese cuisine is great. I'm I'm going to go super simple, and it's not even a, a cuisine. It's just a restaurant that I got taken to by you. Just like you said, your your guys are taking to like these amazing local restaurants, and it was just outside of the tram, and it was one of those typical local places, you know, just tiled floor, pretty you know, average to dirty looking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everyone, as they do in Vietnam, just they eat everything, and it all just gets chucked on the floor. Yeah, yeah. All the tissues yeah. and like you know. All just gets chucked on the floor and you end up in this place. And again, you serve the best food. And all it served was chicken or squid. And it depended on what day you turned up. <laughs> having this chicken that had been like done in this amazing sort of chili rub or the squid. And, you know, I kept going back and back and back. And, yeah, it's like you said, like the, the chicken feet. That was the first time I discovered that locals love chicken feet because this yeah. chicken would come to you whole, head still on, feet still on. And literally I'd, I'd turn around to, I don't know, say something to someone. I'd turn back and the head's missing and the feet are missing because yeah, they love it. That's the best like, bit. That's the first bit they go for. I said, yeah. Jesus Christ, someone, someone's just eating the head. Why? Hmm. But, uh, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't brave enough for, uh, for chicken head. No, not, not for me that either. <laughs> so that would be your, like, you, you'd, you'd try and seek that back out if you went back to Vietnam. I mean, if if I could if I could ever find it, I would I'd ask you if it was still there, and yeah, I'd go straight back there because, right. especially as a backpacker as well, I used to go there, I used to order this whole chicken. I used to treat people like a you know, <laughs> Billy Big Bollocks, like with like my five dollars a day 
spending money and I'd go there and you'd order this chicken and a couple of like pitchers of beer and spend two dollars it was like Jesus oh, that's amazing isn't um, it? like an amazing meal so yeah, yeah. it's uh, it was a strong favorite oh, that sounds good so you've had your three main countries you've had um Costa Rica France and Vietnam what would be your fourth wild card country So this is somewhere that I've been planning on going for ages and just not gone. Like I've been two or three times I've started planning a trip and it's just not gone ahead. So it's Colombia. Okay. And I've been wanting to go there for, for many, many years. Um, so yeah, I've, uh, I've, I've still got my old travel plans and like the itinerary I wanted to do. So yeah, one year soon that's happening. Well, how can we never end up going? Uh, I think the first time was my friend who I was traveling with like pulled out at the last minute. He had some sort of family thing going on, so he couldn't go. So we, we hadn't got anything booked by that stage. So um, we basically, yeah, rearranged the trip, went later in the year when it was off season. Um, so it was the wrong time of year to go to Colombia. By the time we went, it was, you know, again, pouring down. So, then the second time we were planning it, I think a few years later, you'd have thought we'd have remembered when the rainy season was because we started <laughs> planning it for a rainy season right. and then realised at the last moment and went, okay, we're idiots and switched it to the Philippines instead, which was not raining. Um, so yeah, that was, and then, yeah, the third time was, well, the third time never happened. The third time is going to be this time. It's right. going to happen and I'm going to go at the right time of year. So have you done South America do you know what? I've not. And it's one of my biggest regrets. I think mean, I said earlier when we were doing that round the world trip, I wanted to start in South America and my friend wanted to start in Southeast Asia. And we were supposed to travel for, I think, two years was the plan and we would have ended up in South America. Um, but yeah, we got to Australia and uh, ran out of money in Australia very quickly, very, very quickly. <laughs> um, so how- like we bought a car. So we'd done, I think, seven months in Southeast Asia. And then we got to Australia and spent maybe five, six months in Australia backpacking around. And the the thing that really cost us most money, well, one, we wanted to work. And working in Australia did not work out for us, like fruit picking. There were days where, like, I was was paying them to, like, fruit pick. Because you you have to still pay for your accommodation and stuff. Yeah, mate, it's a a very dodgy, like, it's... I, I probably probably not changed much since then. Like it's still like a basically slave labour. Pretty much, yeah. I remember one day being sent out to this farm to pick snow peas, which is the worst thing to pick in the world because they're they're green on a background of green, so they're really hard to find <laughs> in the first place. And we were doing like a second pick, so like people had already been through their picking, so we were there like scavenging for the leftovers. Yeah. And I think in like seven hours of work, I earned twelve bucks and wanted to murder someone. Uh, so yeah, that was my the end of the the line for working and fruit picking. And I did door to door sales as well in America in, in Australia, sorry, which was hilarious. But yeah, we gave up on working, decided it didn't feel like traveling. We weren't earning any money anyway. We weren't saving any. Yeah. And we invested quite a lot of money in this old Holden, which is the it's their Aussie equivalent of a Vauxhall, isn't it? Yeah. The Holden. And uh, we, we drove off into like the, the middle of the, the red center in this Holden, like not really thinking things through about how big Australia actually is. Yeah. And yeah, like six days later of like sort of 14, 15 hours a day of solid driving, we got to the middle of Australia uh, and then our car blew up literally in my face. Like the engine exploded as I had the hood up. Um, And yeah, that kind of put an end to uh, our Australia trip and well, our trip in general, because we'd had so much money plowed into that car. Oh, that's horrible. Mm, Yeah. So that car's probably still sat there in the middle of the desert somewhere, I imagine, because (laughs) we just dumped it. (laughs) So what happened? How did you get sorted? How did you get fixed up? 
so well, my, my dad, I, I, I mean, this is one of my, I've got many cock-ups when I travel, but this was one of the biggest. And my dad's an engineer. So I, I know like a thing or two about mechanics, like the, the ins and outs of it. And like the car was overheating. We're in the middle of the desert. It's like 45 degrees outside and the car's overheating. And so like we had like the, so I know one way you can stop it overheating is to switch on like all the air blowers in the car. So we've got all the hot air blowers like blowing like hot air on us, like 45 ah, degrees, okay. we're blowing hot air on us. The car's still overheating anyway, like it's not doing anything. So we pull into a lay-by and stop and it's like, right, I'm going to have to check the, the water. But I really don't want to check the water because, like, my dad's told me adamantly, if your engine's overheating, do not touch the, just the like, water. All right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh, God, but, like, what, what can I do? Like, you're not calling the AA to drive, like, a 1,000 miles out to the yeah, yeah. So I got, like, a T-shirt out of my backpack and I squidged it down on this water thing and twisted it and jumped back as quickly as I could and nothing happened. And I filled it up with water and the car started to cool down a bit and we you know waited a while and then kept driving and within about 40 minutes it was overheating again and like distances in australia i mean you, you drive oh, yeah, the, we, we, yeah we drove from melbourne to perth right okay yeah, you know it was a fur or slog you, you go a long way you go a long way without seeing anything or anyone so yeah so it's overheating again so i pull into another lay-by fortunately there's a lay-by I was like, oh, Jesus, I'm going to have to do this again. It was really scary the first time. I really don't want to do it again. My <laughs> mate Adam is definitely not stepping up to do it. Yeah. So like, I've got the T-shirt again and I twist. And this time, just as I'm about to do my jump away, like I did last time, I hear this almighty whoosh. The cap blows off. Basically, I get steam and hot water like in my face, up my arm. Yeah. Like the hot water is kind of in the pocket of like where my t-shirt's like up against my skin. So I'm ripping my t-shirt off because like it's burning my arm. Can't see because I've had like boiling hot steam in my face. And yeah, and that was it. I mean, the car's dead. The car's going nowhere. I'm in agony. Um, and luckily, like I picked a lay-by that had a tap. I, like I'd never even seen this on our trip. It had a yeah. tap at this lay-by. And that was the only thing that saved me. I basically lay under this tap with my head under it with like cold water pouring onto my face for about an hour and a half I think and then within an hour and a half the first person that drove by was this aborigine guy driving in the wrong direction and he really really kindly turned around and drove me back to Alice Springs like four hours in the wrong direction yeah he was such a good guy um but I was in agony like I'm in his car and all I can do is basically sit I'm sitting in this guy's car uh, and pouring water on my face on my like really scalded eyes trying not to you know get water all over his car i've got like my clothes piled up underneath the seat for me to absorb all the water yeah. i'm sort of spilling all over his car um so four hours later we get back to alice springs i go to like the hospital they treat my burns and stuff put some cream on me bandage up my arm uh and i'm golden so i go back to the campsite and i start drinking beers to like make myself feel better <laughs> and i meet some other travelers and, and it was only about i think midnight or so that i realized adam's still not back like he's in the middle of nowhere well he was still in the car well i left him there like they only had space for me in this car he drove out of his way picked me up and i mean i told people like when i got obviously to places that he's there like i'd inform so i kind of i felt like i'd done my duty and then i went off and i went drinking and yeah apparently like he turned up at like i don't know what time at like one o'clock in the morning um i think it'd been about six hours before anyone else drove by (laughs) he managed to get a lift out of there that's amazing i did it i did it a bit of bad friending there because I uh, I forgot all about him and started drinking. <laughs> <laughs> That's class. Um, so then, did you fly off from Australia? Then did you just did you give up the? 
Did you give up and go on? Yeah, so we we went back to Sydney. We we flew back to Sydney, obviously abandoned the car in the middle of the desert. And then, yeah, we sort of felt bad about ending our trip early. So we, we decided to go to Bali for a month. So we, oh, okay. we just um, partied in Bali off. for a decent month. Yeah, <laughs> that sort of, you know, made it a bit easier. <laughs> Great. But yeah, that's why that's why I never got out to South America. Right. So obviously Colombia's on your wild card. Is there anything in particular you want to go and see and do while you're in Colombia? So, I mean, I think you've discovered that I, I love, you know, the outdoorsy, trekky, yeah, climb yeah. up a mountain, go through a rainforest sort of things. And there's a place up in the north that I've read about. There's like an old, I forget what, so obviously you've got the Aztecs and the Incas and all sorts of different Brands. I, I yeah, don't know yeah. which one was in Colombia at the time, you know, their version of the Aztecs. They've got uh, a, basically an old abandoned city, a lost city in the jungle in the north that you have to do a two day trek through the jungle to. Okay. And you basically go check that out. You camp out there uh, and then hike back. So, yeah, that's, oh, that, that was amazing. one of the, the main things I really wanted to do while I was there. Okay, great. I'll, I'll have a look at that. Yeah, I've, I've been to South America. I've done like Brazil, but. I really want to go back and do South America. So South America and Central Asia are like my, my two things on the top of my list when when things do open up. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to go back and just do three, four months backpacking around South America. Yeah, and... absolutely. Yeah. So you have got your three countries in your wild card. Obviously, mm-hmm. your place of birth is included as well. So is that that's is that Poland for you? That's going to be Poland, yeah, which I'm quite happy about actually. Yeah, if it was that of the UK, I think I'd pick Poland yeah, in yeah. terms of traveling around. So yeah. So, yeah. So wh- where were you? Where are you from in Poland? Uh, well, so my dad's family is from Krakow, uh, which is the old capital of Poland back in the day. Amazing city. Obviously great from the UK because ever since Ryanair and EasyJet and all those started up into Poland, like you can you know, whiz across there, no problem at all. So, uh, yeah, if, if I was going to, if I'd not been to Poland before at all, I'd highly recommend Krakow. It's beautiful. Well, you've been there, obviously, you know, beautiful old walled city and obviously amazingly survived the Second World War pristinely intact so yeah it's one of my favorite european cities definitely it's, it's beautiful it's amazing i remember i took a, a group there and i said i asked you where the best pierogies was and he took he told me <laughs> this place and you weren't wrong it was i can't think of the name of it but it was really good yeah well you can't really i mean you can't go wrong with pierogi anywhere can you yeah, really? yeah exactly so they know how to do those well in poland so is anywhere that just missed out on the list or anywhere you were like ah if there was four it would have been this but you had to cull uh well yeah i mean there's there's so many aren't there i mean again i was sort of thinking in terms of size i was being sort of purely like selfish like in terms of like screw your show like screw my favorite countries like let's travel a lot <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah the usa was i mean i lived out in the us and i mean actually i did some amazing travel there and some of the national parks where did you live uh i lived in houston for a year texas Class? why <laughs> uh so well my ex-girlfriend at the time worked for shell and she got moved out there and uh so i yeah i jumped on the opportunity to live abroad as i do and uh, yeah Yeah. went and stayed a year out in in oil town houston actually i didn't think i was going to like america like i had this preconception of you know what i thought america was going to be and and in a lot of ways to be fair it is that but in a lot of other ways it's amazing i mean the, the lifestyle you can have in america if you're middle class in america you live like a king especially in texas yeah uh if you if you're poor in america it's a different story it's you know okay so yeah obviously in america you've it's so big so vast you've got it's a good travel bubble destination because you can literally do anything 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I love road tripping. So yeah, I'd, I'd just jump in a car and yeah, just hit the roads. And uh, yeah, we used, to, we used to do some great road trips out from Houston. We used to go up to, we used to go up to what's the, uh, my favorite place in the world. I kind of think of it, New Orleans. <laughs> New Orleans used to be a, a great road trip. I think that's my my favorite night out I've ever had is in New Orleans. Really? I don't know about yourself. You got a sort of favorite spot you've had a night out? Ah, oh, I don't know. I, I've had some of the probably best nights out in Bangkok. I would say that. <laughs> Um, but I was watching a program yesterday about literally about New Orleans and the woman was in deep south and um, I just looked, at, I was just like, I need to get to South America, like South USA, um, like Louisiana mm-hmm. and all the bayous and stuff. And like, that just looks yeah. like a dream trip. And like, like you say, people have preconceptions and like ideas about America, but it's so vast, so big. Yeah. And these, these places, like I'd be, I'd go straight to the deep south on a little American trip. I'd, I'd love to. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, I mean, the, the thing that bothered me before I moved out there, and, and it was what I expected, was the gun culture. And I think, like, coming from a country where you're not used to that, it's mm. really hard to get used to the, the normality of guns. Yeah, like open carryover. Into- yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's, but yeah, like in all the, the restaurants in Houston, basically, they, they ask you to check your gun so you could carry it. But when you got to the restaurant, you'd have to hand it over. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that 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 sort of just blaseness about having a gun, and also the fact that I, in the end I started to get used to the fact that every day I'd switch on the news, I'd read a newspaper, and like minimum one, two, three people shot, and that's just in Houston, right? That's not, okay, that's not the country. That's yeah, just where yeah. you're living. Yeah, I mean, I remember I might have told you this story before, but it was one of the funniest things ever. We're living just on the bayou on the edge of Houston. And uh, my girlfriend used to work in the centre and she'd walk in in the mornings. And walking is weird for Americans for a start. I mean, yeah, you're yeah. walking places, that, that, that confuses <laughs> them. Um, but then also it was the safety. So like we were in, had some night out with some work people and uh, they were asking us where we live. So we said, oh, we're down in the bayou in this development. And uh, that's, so have you got a car? And they no, so a bit confused. Like, so how'd you get into work? And uh, and Vicky said, oh, no, I, I walk in. And this woman's face, like when she heard that she walked in, because there was a little sort of stretch underneath like a, a bridge where a few homeless people were living. This yeah. was after Hurricane Katrina. So lots of people were displaced. Right. So lots of people mm. had, had yeah, been forced out of, of New Orleans and those places and were basically yeah, sleeping rough under under bridges, unfortunately. And I, I'd done that walk a few times myself. And I was like, this is safe. This is fine. I mean, this is like, I'm not worried for her going yeah, in there yeah. in the morning. Um, but yeah, we told this this lady and she was like, this is an older woman, it's like in her 60s. And her face was just like so worried. She's like, my God, you, you walk in, you, you've got a gun, right? Uh, because like, no, no, I don't have a gun. She went, oh, but you've got a knife. So like, <laughs> just it's this different concept of, yeah, yeah. of safety and fear that I, I, yeah, I find that hard to deal with in the States. Mm. Like I lived in Haiti for a bit and I'm like, you go into Port-au-Prince at night and like guns were mm-hmm. a thing there. And I remember once I, was, I went to a club, tried to get into this, not not a terrible, like a nightclub. And I wasn't terribly dressed. I was, I think I was wearing shorts on a trainers, like my usual, what I wear all the time. And they wouldn't let me in uh, because I was wearing shorts or trainers or maybe okay. a combination of, of the two. And this man in front of us and he had a gun and he was checking his gun in. Mm. He used the gun to point. So he looked round at me <laughs> He looked around at me and like he said something to the the security guard and he gestured with his gun, like you know, like to come in. He was like, mm, like yeah. I was like, what's that? Why is he letting me in? But and basically his word was overrule the security guard. And he he wasn't like yeah, yeah. he didn't work there. He was just a guest, but he must okay, have been yeah. been had a, had a bit of sway. Yeah, okay. the way he just used this gun to like 
gesture us in. I'm like, whoa, who is this man that's just just let us in? But he was just genuinely being nice. But it, like you say, it's hard to get your head around these. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. just seeing guns, it's a, it's a shock. It's exactly that. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I lived in I lived in Jordan, which has, has guns are actually quite easy to get hold of in Jordan. Yeah. Um, it's not you know, like the states where you sort of see. But I think you can openly carry in Jordan as well. But like, it's still in a lot of ways such a like a, a third world country. Like at, at New Year's, though. Well, it's not New Year's. New Year's is really important for them. But like at Eid, so like at the end of Ramadan, like you have the big celebrations, yeah. and it's quite normal for them to go out and start like shooting their guns off in the air. Oh, okay, yeah. I remember, see. like seeing pictures that people had posted on Facebook of like just bullets on the ground that had landed after you yeah. know they've just. Just pop them off to. It's mad. Yeah. It's, different. it's just different, isn't it? I'm, I'm assuming you can't get killed by a falling bullet, but I don't really know. Yeah, I, I'm sure I've Googled that before, but I think it, <laughs> it, what goes up literally must come down. <laughs> yeah. So I think you can actually, if you're unlucky. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'd have to look into it. Um, the, the states would definitely be up there, though. I think as yeah, as another choice again. And I mean, I mentioned my love of like winter sports and skiing. So you've got the mountains there. I mean, that's amazing. And yeah, big country, lots of variety. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just dis- disregard the Americans, and it's all right. <laughs> Great. So that, that's your um, your travel bubbles over and done with. So thank you for sharing yeah. those countries with us. Uh, before before you go. I'd like to ask you a few more like generic travel questions, if that's all right. Yeah, great. I was going to ask you if what would be your top travel tip, I know it's a hard one that, but what would be your top travel tip to someone who's maybe not been traveling before? Sure. Yeah, I thought of this beforehand and it's like it, the, the one I thought of actually is it's not like some sort of clever thing about like you know like hiding your money or you know doing something particularly clever I think it's just being open to to the experience because I I like I found my after sort of switching from doing road trips around Europe and my first trip uh going around Southeast Asia to start with and I found myself being very wary of people at times because you're going to get this impression like you know what's their interest in me are they actually interested yeah, in being friends with me yeah. or is it just because i've got you know dollar signs on my forehead and after a while of like being that way i kind of found it was ruining my experience like i just like i was constantly so distrusting of people and not to say that like you shouldn't you know meet things with a healthy amount of skepticism because there are people out there who will scam you and who will rip you off but yeah, I think just taking people on face value and you know keep yourself a little bit wary, but give them the chance to to prove I do, you I guess prove you. Yeah, I like it. It's a good idea. Um, because like you say, those those end up being your best part of your trip. Literally, you wouldn't have got to that university like if you hadn't have had that beers on the train and things like things do lead to other things, don't they? Yeah, exactly. So you do have to be open, but like you say, use your common sense as well. Well, for for sure, yeah. I mean, there's there's things that I've done when I was traveling that I sort of think back on and go, yeah, I, you know, 100% would not do that now. But, you know, <laughs> you, you learn from those. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, likewise, it's you've gone out there to, to experience it all. So don't 
lock yourself away from it don't shy away from people and yeah i think for, for most part you'll you'll have a great time i mean i've been taken advantage of a few times in my travels and i think like you just sort of take it on the chin don't you like yeah sort of figure that you can afford it normally most of the time yeah and sort of especially like this part of the world southeast asia you know people do you know you've got all your little scams you took took scams and your you know my friend's taylor scams and the grand palace is closed scam or whatever it may be yeah. in, in thailand and it's more just sort of funny than anything else like what is it you know, they're just trying to make a buck out of you yeah i've got another question for you i'm a big fan of I, I like doing things i like experiencing things but i also like getting like at least one mad souvenir from every place that i've been to what's your favorite travel souvenir that you've 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 got on your travel if any um yeah I mean, i've picked up a few things but i guess the most permanent one i've got is is my one and only tattoo um which i got when i was in thailand so that was when I was traveling by myself and I was out on Koh Samui, um, sort of in between meeting some people. I'd, I'd met a group of guys and they'd gone off to Koh Penyang and I was going to meet them in a few days time. And I was a bit bored and I was just hanging around in a bar and I met this um, tattoo artist who I'd actually met before while I was out there, local guy. And yeah, he sort of convinced me after a few beers to uh, to come to, back to his tattoo parlor yeah. and, and get myself a tattoo done. What did you end up getting? What have you got? Um, so I've got this sort of sun and a moon pattern. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> about the only way to describe <laughs> it on my left forearm. Right, okay. Um, and to, to be honest, it's... Uh, it's nothing that I ever wanted, um, <laughs> and uh, but I, I like that I've got it, and it's a reminder of the trip. But uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of tattoos. I wouldn't get another one. But there you go, a bored, bored, drunken day on Kosamui, and I got my one and only. Okay, well, I've, I've got a one and only tattoo as well from Thailand. I got a camel on my toe, so um, <laughs> I've got a permanent camel toe. Classic, classic, yeah, classic, isn't it? But yeah. I've not got any others. I've got, I've got no plans to get any more. Um, so that's your best souvenir. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we finish up? Is there anything that you um, you'd like you've not you've not said that you'd like to say? No, you know what? I think we've we've covered it all pretty well. I'm, uh, I've got all my, my travel talk out of my system. Right. No, mate, you've been great. Thank you very much for, for being being a guest and thanks for humoring me. No, thanks for inviting me. It's been really good. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, like you love travel, I love travel. It's just fun to talk about, isn't it? So yeah, it's good. It's not been a hardship. It is good. And obviously we can't travel in the minute. So it's good to just like talk about it and relive those past memories. Yeah, exactly that, isn't it? So, well, I'm hoping it's uh, it's going to be starting up again soon, isn't it? With the vaccines coming out. So hopefully they're able to get back to normal in the next few months and, yeah, exactly. and get cracking again. Exactly, mate. And I'll be able to come over back to Bangkok for at least for a holiday. I can't wait. Yeah. I'll take you out for a chat when you get it. Cheers, mate. Well, I'll let you go. I'll let you enjoy your evening. That's well. Thanks very much, mate. Take care. Ah, thank you. See you, mate. Right. Bye-bye. Thank you, Henrik, for being guest number five. Another great episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I did recording it. And I thought Henrik had some great choices and he also had some great anecdotes as well to share. I really loved uh, the... Outback story where he forgot his mate. That really made me laugh. One thing I liked about talking to Henrik is that he's a big proponent of like slow travel. Like he's he's been to, back to France loads of times. He's he'd rather do one country really well than like ten countries in a day. It's refreshing that because it's like sometimes like I'm I'm guilty of it. I'd rather go somewhere new than to go back to places that I've already been to. So as much as, like, say, I love Thailand, or I'd rather go to somewhere that I've never been than go back to Thailand. Um, not like a box ticking exercise. It's just like the way I am. So, but I liked Henrik's take on it. Like he would definitely go back to Costa Rica, 
no like no questions asked so that's good as usual i'll put some links in the show notes to some of the things that henrik mentioned so do have a read of those in generic travel bubble news some more guests coming up i recorded the episode with somebody that i didn't know this week that was fun and i also attempted to record an episode with someone who was uh on holiday yeah can you imagine that someone actually on holiday on an island in colombia which was quite annoying um because considering we're all stuck <laughs> wherever we are um but we had to abandon that attempt because because it was just like a, a big party vibe going on in the background which made me feel a bit sick so we're going to try and re-record that um down the line there'll also be a travel bubble website coming soon that's in the pipeline which is exciting i suppose but yeah really i'm i'm just really happy with the way that things are going people that i've not spoke to in years getting in touch saying they listen saying they like it people getting inspired to go to places that they'd never even heard of and i suppose that's the aim of the show really lockdown travel and inspiration so long live travel bubble it's that time of the week again where I tell you about some films. The Travel Bubble Film Club, I'm going to call it from now on. Watched a few films this week that I'm going to recommend to you, or at least make you aware of. The first one was a Czech film called The Painted Bird, which is the 2019 film. It's by a Czech director, but it's deliberately obtuse in terms of where it's filmed. It's like Slavic. It's a Slavic film. And it's... One of the maddest films I've ever seen. It follows this boy. And I don't want to spoil it for you, but he's one of the unluckiest boys uh, I've ever come across in my life. So unlucky in the end. It's like a, it almost turns into a black comedy. But it's a quite a harrowing watch. quite a hard watch. But I would watch you. I, I actually did enjoy it. Another Scottish film for you on the list called uh, Ratcatcher. That's a 1999 Lynn Ramsey film uh, set in Glasgow. You can probably tell from that description alone it's not the most uplifting of films, but I really enjoyed it and I'd watched that. Uh, but my film of the week, the, the film recommendation of the week, is Winter Sleep, which is a 2014 Turkish film. It's a long one, but it really is fantastic and it's quite a good travel bubble film because... It's set in uh, Cappadocia in Turkey and one of the takeaways from that is like I really want to go to Cappadocia. I wanted to go there anyway because I've seen all the photos of the hot air balloons and the footage of the hot air balloons but this film is like wow Cappadocia is really somewhere on my list that I want to go and visit. So there are the three travel bubble films that I'd recommend and I think I watched all of them on Mubi, M-U-B-I. I've put a link to Mubi in the... Um, in the show notes and also uh, on my um, on the Linktree bio because if you sign up through that link you'll get a 30 day free trial so you can watch all these films and if you are, if you end up enjoying it and liking it if you if you do sign up using that link then I'll get uh, 30 days free as well so everyone's a winner yeah so again I'll finish with thank you thank you for listening to Travel Bubble share the word like subscribe comment tell your friend tell that friend who like travels and went off on a gap year to find themselves they love this one tell your tell your mum about it 
Tell your friends, mum. Tell your friends, dad. Tell your friend. Just share the word, really. Uh, like, subscribe. And if you're going to give me a rating, make sure it's a five-star rating. None of this four-star rubbish. Five stars all the way, okay? So thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week with my next guest. Another another good one, um, ready to go, with a good friend of mine, which I'm sure you'll enjoy. So I'll see you next week for that one. Goodbye.